Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Oh, we're here. Don't worry. High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory. It's Euler Remotes here with you on SNR. What is happening, Moti? Man, you know, living the good life, sitting across from a partner in crime. Can't wait to chop it up with you today. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, on a Wednesday here, we'll do what we always do. We'll look around the league a little bit. We will... Uh, We'll wrap up the Steelers, you know, because of course we still want to talk about that victory on Sunday. Oh, you know that victory. Brownies. So we'll start to, uh, you know, wrap that up, give our final thoughts, look ahead um, to the matchup upcoming with the Arizona Cardinals. Arthur Motes, though, some good news yesterday. I, I guess we all knew this was coming, but now officially official, Marquise Pouncey is back. Mm-hmm. The captain. Huge, huge, huge getting him back, man. Gets that continuity up front. I mean, obviously, B.J. Finney came in and did an awesome job. Yeah. he He's one of those guys that it doesn't matter if you're putting him at guard or center. When he gets in that game, he's all reliable. He's very consistent in his efforts and what you know you're going to get in terms of his productivity. But Marquise Pouncey is Marquise Pouncey for a reason. Right. He's regarded as one of the best centers in the game for a reason. He's that type Highest of... Highest paid center in the absolutely, game for a reason. And well-deserved. I mean, for years, he's been one of the most dominant centers in the game. And that's just him. And trust me, I, my respect for him on the, on the field is it's going to be like this regardless of if I had played with him or not because playing sure. against him for multiple years in Buffalo, you see what type of player he is. And then having him on your team and practicing against him every day, you see his work ethic. So yeah, just having him back, I think is gonna boost that. It's gonna boost that offensive line in a big way, and they're gonna need it because when we talk about that Cardinals defense, yeah, that's their strength. Mm-hmm. They rush the passer. They do. That's the one thing they they're do. not great they, in pass coverage. Correct. <laughs> but that's the one thing they do do well is rush the passer. So it's gonna be important that yeah. he comes back and he's ready to go. Yeah, certainly. And uh, you got to think it'll for a lot of reasons. Obviously, we know what Pouncey brings on the field. Uh, but man, to have him there now with Duck, you know, with a young quarterback, to have the veteran center presence, and not that uh, somebody said this yesterday, the Steelers' record when BJ Fenney is out of games, oh, or, he's sorry, he's when BJ Fenney starts games, yeah. it's like five and zero, oh, right? Yeah, something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, clearly, I mean, BJ Fenney is one of the best aces in the hole, if you will, Correct. right? <laughs> in terms of offensive linemen, he's one of the best off, like sixth man offensive linemen, if you will. And he's all. the Lou Will of Exa- the NFL. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but having Pouncey back for Duck, uh, to have that veteran, that leader, as we mentioned, the captain of the team, a guy who, again, both on the field, the, the X's and O's, the schematics, and everything else that comes with football, off the field and all those pressures and handling everything else and game preparation and, and getting yourself ready for an opponent week after week and traveling out to the West Coast, which the Steelers are going to have to do, uh, I guess, 
fortunately, Duck already has does have some experience doing that uh, with what he was able to do in Los Angeles against the Chargers. But I got to think having Pouncey back is just almost like a whoopee in a type of ways, right? Like we talk about that with, with some players. Uh, maybe it, it's a whoopee type moment for this offensive line, for Duck Hodges, for the running backs that, okay, hey, we were able to have success these last two games without our guy. And now we got our guy back. Let's take this to the next level. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when you talk about Pouncey in the running game, you know how dynamic he is. Some of the things that he's able to do from a pulling standpoint, from yeah. a climbing to the second level standpoint, it's a certain element of physicality and nastiness that he plays with mm-hmm. that you need and that you covet in your offense alignment. And he does that. I mean, no disrespect to B.J. Finney, but they're just two different caliber athletes. Right. And rightfully so. I mean, one's the highest paid in the league for a reason. Sure. So with that being the case, you definitely understand how much of an impact he can have on you, how much of a positive impact he brings to the table. And that's just the physical element. Now, when we talk from a a mental or pre-snap communication element, what better person to have out there than him, man? He he's the the second. I mean, in terms of like the voice of the offense, he's that guy. Sure, he sets the protections. He's gonna know what he needs to see, what the which way the protections need to be set and slid and things like that. So that way, that's one thing that Duck has doesn't have to have on his plate this coming game. Yeah, it, it's encouraging timing. I think Absolutely. right uh, with what is now <laughs> the last quarter of the season. It's pretty. <sighs> Pretty crazy to say, but we're here. Oh, yeah. 75% of the way through, four games left, and you got to play three of those four games on the road. The one team that's coming to Heinz Field is 9-3. and three. Prime time, though. In prime time. It, prime it's, time. It's a good time to be getting 53 back, for sure. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. <laughs> uh, just that, that never grows old, it doesn't. Oh, it never does, no question. And there's, yeah. I just feel like I don't know. That was a good the body right there, you know. It felt good, man. Well, it was, was natural was coming out. One of the better ones we had in a while. It was, it was good. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Rocking on a Wednesday here uh, with Pouncey being back, Arthur Moats. Um, still a lot of moving parts in the backfield. Uh, Benny Snell, he he's stacked some solid performances together here. Uh, but you've still got the cloudy situation around James Conner. You're still kind of figuring out, I think, a lot in a lot of ways what you've got with Kareth White. Uh, Jalen Samuels has has emerged and shown what he's capable of doing in different ways. Uh, ahead of these last four games here, it's kind of a, maybe at least for us anyways, I'm not talking for the Steelers specifically, but maybe a little bit of a evaluation moment, right? Uh, going forward now with Pouncey back in the fold, and yes, James Conner's status is still up in the air, but after James, you're starting to feel a, a little more confident, a little better yes. what, what you got behind James. Uh, going forward now with Duck seemingly for at least the, you know, I- unless something changes. The foreseeable <laughs> right? future, yes. Right, Go, going forward with Duck for the foreseeable future. Um, is there going to be, in your mind, a real onus on okay we got Pouncey back we think the offensive line is is playing better than they were at points this season we're feeling more comfortable in our, in our run game options could we see I don't want to say a return to what we've seen this year because we haven't really seen it much this year but what we saw at times last year 
where it really felt like the Steelers were a run-first offense using that to set up the big plays, the downfield throws. Yeah, I definitely think that that would be the case. Obviously, you think about Kareth White and the impact that he's been able to have. Yeah. Benny Snell Jr., he's shown that two weeks now he's had two very positive performances, two varsity-like performances. With mouth guard. Oh, yeah, man, got to have a little swag on him. I like that. So I, I could definitely see that being the case, especially knowing that you're getting Pouncey back and how he ultimately helps establish the, the line of scrimmage and helps dominate the front. And we know for a fact that that Cardinals defense has struggled mightily in that department. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I think that we could definitely see that. And that only bodes well for Duck in terms of his play action pass and in terms of his down-the-field passes. We talk about not wanting him to be put in less advantageous situations. We don't want him receiving too much exposure Mm -hmm. to the defense either. So that's why I think it's critical that you find ways to help him. You find ways to get him in situations where he's comfortable making the throws, where he's able to be on schedule. We know, yes, in theory, their secondary is bad, but Buda Baker has been very opportunistic. We know what Patrick Peterson is. Yeah. So even though on paper they haven't been able to have that type of success, we do know that they still have dangerous players out there. So I do think it's going to be key that you find ways to protect Duck in that regard. Do you worry at all? The term trap game drives me nuts. (laughs) Do you worry at all? I don't even equate it to a trap game, but just being able to maintain that same energy level, right? That same Mm -hmm. emotional uptick. We know that last Sunday at Heinz Field against the Browns was an emotional one. It was a charged up game for for a lot of reasons, for for football reasons and and the wild card race and the staying alive and playoff position and all that stuff. And then because of everything that transpired uh, in that Thursday night game in Cleveland and some of the stuff that was said and was (laughs) some of the t-shirts that were worn. Oh, what t-shirts? Who started it? (laughs) Leading Leading up to Sunday's contest at Heinz Field. Now you have to go out west against a team that while they surprised a lot of people early in the season, has now lost five straight in the Arizona Cardinals. Right. You worry at all about a energy level drop. That's the way I'll put it. Not a trap game, but a but a energy level drop off. For me, I don't think it would be energy level drop off just because you know how much this game means. Yeah. You know what lies ahead. And it's gonna be critical that Every game over these next couple of weeks counts. You cannot allow yourself to drop one of these. And from a personnel standpoint, you still, if you're the Steelers, you're not walking into this game saying we got the better Jimmys and Joes. Let's be real. If you're comparing our offense to their defense, Mm -hmm. they have the NFL's leading sack rusher. They do. They have Terrell Suggs, who's a 100-sack guy. Future Hall of Famer. Riddick, first-round draft pick. Patrick Peterson, future Hall of Famer. Buda Baker is another first-round pick. I mean, we can really go. Obviously, even uh, what's the, uh, Jordan X, he's another guy out there who's had success. So even with that, I still don't view the Steelers' offense as being able to come in here and say, oh, we got this. And if you're the Steelers' defense, you can't have that relaxed feeling because it's a unique challenge. You're playing against sure. one of those wacky one-off offenses in, in the way that Cliff Kingsbury uses Kyler Murray. And one that is only in its first year of existence. It's right. not like you have a ton of tape and a ton of experience against it. So so in that regard, you're going to have that sense of excitement because it's something new. It's a new challenge that you have to go out there and execute at a high level against. And I think when you watch this Cardinals team on tape, you don't see a bad team. You see inconsistency. 
But you also see a team that took the 49ers, who are arguably a top three team in the league, down to the wire mm-hmm. two times. Should have won both of those games realistically. That's what you see on tape. You see them look really good some weeks, then they look really poor. But when you're watching them, you don't say, oh, this is a team that just sucks. It's not like when, no. we, when we watched the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. How you could say, hey, man, this could be a trap game because that team just looks poor. That's not the case when you watch the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I certainly think, too, one of the things that the Cardinals do really well that kind of goes head-to-head with how the Steelers want to play, how the Steelers want to win games, is the Cardinals protect the ball on offense. Absolutely. The Cardinals don't turn the ball over. The Steelers, as we know, need turnovers, thrive off turnovers from that defense. So how does that play out on Sunday? We'll get into that when we return, as well as get to some of your tweets. Again, if you want to chime in anytime between now and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, hey, hey. And I mean, hey, if you're listening to this back in the loop later, you can still tweet us. We just might not answer in real time. At but, but we still usually, we, we might hop back on the, on the, you know, we respond every once in a while. We do, we do. At Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. <laughs> the Body. When we come back here, I want to talk about the Cardinals' lack of turnovers, how they protect the ball, and how the Steelers' defense goes about hunting for some splash out in Arizona. You are inside the electric factory listening to Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Over the last 10 games, the Pittsburgh Steelers rank first in the NFL in takeaways with 28. Remember, this is last 10 games, not the whole season. Right, right, right. First in the <laughs> NFL in takeaways, first in quarterback hits, first in pass defense, first in forced fumbles, first in fumble recoveries, because, hey, you don't just want to force them. You want to jump on them and there, recover yeah. them, too. Second in interceptions, second in sacks, and third, tied for third, in amount of defensive touchdowns. Uh, they've been good, Motsi. Uh, Real good. They've been great, Motsi. Mm-hmm. And we like to talk about, you know, you and I, we, we always got time for good on good, right? No question. Strength on strength. Well, the Arizona Cardinals this season, through 12 games, you might look at the record, you might look at the five straight losses, and think, okay, well, clearly, probably, you know, ball security, turnover ratio isn't one of their strengths. But you'd actually be a little wrong in that regard. 12 games, they've only turned the ball over nine times. Kyler Murray has only thrown six interceptions through 12 games. Uh, We know that the Steelers lean on takeaways, lean on splash plays. Our our friend Thrash Metal Guy here said, was was me saying hunting for some splash a duck joke? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it was, but I wasn't thinking about it that way, Thrash, but I'm glad you said it because, yeah, the Steelers are – a defense that is constantly hunting for some splash. But the Cardinals' mozi are an offense that prides themselves on protecting the football. They definitely do, man. And like you said, that's is weird in a sense because most of the time with losing teams, the that's the department around. that they, right. they struggle in the most. But they've done a really good job in that department. But I do think that any team 
when they are under pressure and the type of pressure that the Steelers provide with their pass rush, mm. it naturally creates turnovers. The strip sacks, it forces quarterbacks to speed up through their reads and their progressions. It forces them to have to make throws under duress. And I do think that even though that number is low for them in terms of how they protect the ball, I think in a game like this where you know the Cardinals' offensive line is their weak point of their offense. Yes. And you know our pass rush is the Steelers' strength. Correct. I think that creates a natural situation that is going to be very favorable for those guys in terms of creating those turnovers. The Cardinals have played against some strong, some solid, some stout defensive units so far this season. They've actually had, if you look at it, a really tough schedule. <laughs> I mean, other than the Bengals and the Giants – like every team they've played is either in a playoff position or still in the hunt for a while. I guess maybe the Lions too. But they've played against the Ravens. They've played the Seahawks. They've played the Panthers. They've played the Saints. They've played the Niners twice. Some good defenses in there, Motsi. What can the Steelers do? Particularly, like you were able to see, I mean, you mentioned it. Cardinals maybe should have, probably should have beaten the Niners at least once, maybe twice, both times that they played. The Cardinals were able to score 25 points on the Niners the first time they saw them, 26 points on the Niners the second time they saw them. What can the Steelers' defense do that the Niners wasn't able to in order to to limit that offense? Because, hey, I think we could both agree, you hold the Cardinals under 20 points. I mean, you hold any opponent under 20 points. Mm -hmm. You've got a good chance to win the game. Yeah, definitely, man. I think the, the biggest difference between that Niners' defense and the Steelers' defense in particular, when we go position by position – Outside of the front four, the pass rushers, it's a drop-off when you're talking about the Niners' secondary versus or versus this Steelers' secondary where you talk about Devin Bush, you talk about Mark Barron, even Vince Williams when you throw him in that category versus their linebackers. Yeah. When you talk about our DBs and Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, they have Richard Sherman, but he's a lot older. He's not the same Richard Sherman from Legion of Boom days. Then, obviously, our, sec- uh, our safeties, Minka, is going to be better than anybody that they put out there. Yes. And then we're not even talking about Terrell Edmonds as well, who's playing, who's had his up and down, ups and downs, but he's definitely been playing consistently over the past couple of weeks. So with that being the case, I think that's where the two differ, and that's why I think that the Steelers actually present more matchup issues for the Cardinals hmm. versus the, whereas the um, 49ers, they, it's more of a familiarity between them. And you could tell anytime you have divisional opponents, we talk about how the Ravens, they build their roster to do what? To beat the Patriots and to beat right. the, the Steelers. Right. So with the Niners, they build a roster that's going to combat the Cardinals. The Cardinals build a roster that's going to combat the Niners. That's just how it goes. But when you come outside of your division, sometimes you have teams that you just don't match up well with. And when I look at that Cardinals offense, I don't think they match up really well against the Steelers defense who has – a ton of just athletes, guys who can play in space. Because that's how the Cardinals' offense and, is right, designed. That's what they want to do. Yeah. They want to play in space. And when you talk about first-round talent, the thing that makes them so unique is their athletic ability, their size and speed combination. And I think that's why it's a matchup nightmare for that Cardinals' offense because if you want to have Kyler Murray doing some of the zone read-like plays, well, you're going to have Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt who can run with him. Mm-hmm. We talk King and Drake. We talk uh, David Johnson. Devin Bush, Mark Barron could run with those guys. We already know on the outside they definitely have a burner. And uh, I think his last name is like Isabella. I think that's how you said. Yeah. Isabella. He, he's, a, he's a fast guy. 
but overall you still have the athletes on the back end to match up with whoever they want whatever type of uh, line if they want to go out there. Obviously, Christian Kirk is a guy who who can definitely be productive. But I think with the corners that we have, these matchups are very favorable for them. I would agree. I, I like I like the way you lay that out there. It's kind of the way the Cardinals want to play as an offense. The way that Cliff Kingsbury is trying to install his system. That hey, you could talk about his record at Texas Tech, and it wasn't great. You know, they went seven and five almost every single year he was there. It's, the numbers on offense were still always there for Texas Tech, though. It, it's not like right, it's not like he was at Alabama or Correct. he was at Texas or Oklahoma. He, he was at Texas Tech, and you know, had Patrick Mahomes throwing for five hundred yards a game, but they'd still lose to Oklahoma by three points. Correct. It, it's it's not like his offense. If you really, if you look at it on the surface, you might be able to say, okay, well, he didn't have a ton of success in college. But if you really look at it, I mean, he was an offensive guru. He's tried to do that same thing with the Cardinals. But I think the Steelers' defense, yeah, you said it. The Niners are really a defense predicated on just horses across the front Correct. and getting after the quarterback. Yes. Whereas the Steelers, they've got speed everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're they're almost honestly the perfect defense to counter this if you want to call it spread type this, this of offense. millennial offense. Yes, this millennial <laughs> offense. Right? I mean, it, it's. I think that's why we saw this Steelers unit gave Baltimore the most struggles that we've seen that offense yes. have all season, and I think they'll do the same thing to the Cardinals, two offenses that are not the same but cut from the same cloth. Very true. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think when you talk about just when we said it, the athletes, they can play in space, and if you're looking at this defense – where is the weak point? Where Where is the person that you attack? On paper, you could say, okay, based on productivity, Terrell Edmonds, but if you want to go with Terrell Edmonds the whole game, good luck. Yeah. So for <laughs> me, man, I I, think, I laugh at it because I'm like, this is a great problem to have. I mean, across the board, all these guys can make plays. All these guys can play in space. All these guys at some point in time throughout this season have made critical plays. Yes. And I think that's the thing that bodes well. And then we're not even talking about the confidence that these guys are playing with because they've done it consistently now week in and week out. They've been the reason why they're winning. They've been the reason why they've been in games. But now they're even more inspired because they know on the offensive side they can they have somebody who can get the job done, who can move the ball, who's competent, who's not going to turn it over. Those things, man, they, they make you play more inspired. And I think that's why even more so – is very favorable for the Steelers' defense. I think so, too. Uh, listen, I get some of the concerns, right? You, you haven't seen Kyler Murray. It, it's an offense that has been explosive at times. you got to travel out to the West Coast against a team that's lost five in a row, and you're coming off a big emotional victory. I, I get all the concerns, but I, I, I'm with you. I think the more and more I look at this and really dive into the X's and O's, it feels like, Everything that the Cardinals try and do, the Steelers do better. <laughs> Absolutely. It is funny in the old sense of the Cardinals are Pittsburgh West. You know, that's always the joke, and you lived that out yourself, going, hey, going to the Cardinals after that. <laughs> Big facts. Every, every time you need to go out there and get a little suntan, it's all good, man. That's all I want to do. Yeah. A little suntan, a little cl- club rehab, baby. You know? I'd like to go out there and march for you know a yeah. couple weeks or so. I wonder if that's what we could do. Cardinals Nation Radio. You know, they want to hire me from, like, February to, like, May. Hey, boom. I'll escape the cold for a bring, couple months. Bring me with you. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I did want to talk about this, too. Josh Shaw. 
for the Cardinals. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. You know where I'm going with dude, this. Dude, it's so funny. It's, uh, this is hilarious. Be- because, because, first off, first off, obviously – the whole betting thing, and yes, you know, for, I'm, for, I'm a degenerate. For the people that aren't familiar, Josh Shaw is the Arizona Cardinal who was just suspended for the rest for the of the 2020 season. season. The yeah, 2020 season yeah, the 2020 well. season as well for betting on professional football as it, a member of the but, Arizona but Cardinals. But included the Arizona Cardinals in a bet parlay. He bet against them. He that's, bet against them. That's yes, the best party. Yes, bet. during halftime, he bet <laughs> against his own team to lose their game. And he didn't try to hide it either. He puts like on his application, professional athlete. Football player wasn't the brightest. That that wasn't a good decision. But I take it a step further because I said to myself, I said, "Wes, I was like, yo, why does this name sound familiar?" Uh oh. So you know me being the journalist that I am, I guess the googling and I say, "Oh, USC, huh?" It's the same cat that said, "Hey, I hurt my ankles because I was at a party." My friend was drowning in the pool. I had to jump off the balcony to go save him. I hurt my ankle. That was ankles. the same guy? I remember. Same guy. I remember that story. Yes. You think he lying? Well, he was then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My guy said I had to jump off the balcony. Man, I had to go save him. Yeah, I wonder if he was jumping off the balcony to go make a sports bet all those years ago. Dude, how, how do you include... How do you include? He bet during halftime. <laughs> during halftime, he bet the Bucks minus one point, and the Cardinals ended up winning thirty to twenty-seven. So he didn't even cover. Jeez. He spent it all the rest of this season, all of next season, and as you mentioned, the best part is he listed professional football player on his when he was yes. registering to gamble under his occupation. Right. Listed professional football player. Uh wow. Everybody knows. At least I thought the Pete Rose story and how he's banned from baseball right. and how the reason he's not in the Hall of Fame as arguably the best catcher and hitter mm-hmm. of all time in baseball is because he bet on baseball. Do you think this is something that like the NFL now, you know, when they do the rookie symposiums and all that stuff that they're going to have to address like, hey, guys, like I know that this is legal. Right. But it's, it's almost like testing positive for weed. Like just yeah. because you live in a state where weed is legal, we still test for that. Like there's mm-hmm. still laws here. Like because I, I wonder if Josh Shaw just had no idea that that was illegal. I don't see how you cut it, though. I'm with you because it's, it's in sports. I feel like that's been something that's been talked about forever. Pete Rose forever. Every that's like synonymous with oh, if a guy's playing bad, he's trying. He Pete Rose, man, he point yeah. shaving like everyone. Or uh, Donahue, right? The yeah. NBA ref who was betting on like, games. Like it's pretty clear cut. I think he knew that. I think he just got caught because he was sloppy. But I think, <laughs> I think that it wasn't even the issue of him betting. I think it was when you bet against your own team. Yes. If you don't put the Cardinals in there, I don't think this is a story. But when you put your own team in there, like you said, halftime of a game. He's Granted, in, he's, he's hurt. He's in the law, yeah. But, but it's like, dude, that's the information you are receiving. That's cheating. Right. Like, let's be real about it. That is cheating to to the, is. to the full definition when it comes to making bets. You have information Insider that is not privy to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. No. Un- unreal. <laughs> unreal. I just that story continues to because originally it came out right. All right, Josh Shaw, he's been suspended for gambling, and then it came out that he was yeah. that the Cardinals were in the parlay, and then it came out that he was betting against the Cardinals during halftime Un- of a game. Unreal. Welcome to the future, baby. Wow. Welcome to the future. Like I say, this is wild. Just shake my head. Wow. On Twitter at Wesley Euler at Dabody fifty two. Dabody. We will get to some of your reaction. 
Uh, Mark's fact-checking me here. Pete Rose, first baseman and third baseman. I thought Pete Rose was a catcher. Is Pete Rose not a catcher? Shows my baseball knowledge. Oh, so you know I ain't the biggest baseball guy. Pete Rose, Pete Edward Rose, also known by his nickname Charlie Hustle, is an American former baseball player and manager. Rose played Major League Baseball from 63 to 86. Holy heck, that's a long tenure. That's a long, that's a long, oh, outfielder, infielder, and manager. That's what he's listed. And that doesn't help me here. I'm going to trust Mark, though, because I think Mark's a little bit older than me. I, I was not there for Pete yeah, Rose. When, when in doubt, when in doubt, trust the age. I'll take the L on that one. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. <laughs> I thought, dude, I thought Pete. Wait, wait, eh. you know, eh. Am I thinking of? Wait, no. I he, Pete, he uh, he's right on. The, I'm thinking of um, what was his name? Uh, Johnny Bench, right? He was the legendary catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. I think that's where I got confused. Mark, let me know on Twitter at Wesley Hewler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. When we come back, we will continue to break down Steelers and Cardinals as we look ahead to Sunday afternoon's matchup out in Arizona. You already know the drill. Chime in on Twitter over the next hour and a half. You are inside the Electric Factory, listening to Euler Emotes on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, full transparency here on the program today. I'm dying, Motsy. You're not dying. I'm not dying. You're right. But I can't get my nose to stop running. It's bad, man. You're like a little like seven-year-old right now. I, I feel am. like I'm sitting across from my son right now. It's like he just got <laughs> home from playing out in the in the snow yeah. for an hour. He can't get his nose to stop running. I don't know what's going on. I'm leaking over here. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. It's not funny. It's, it's good. Not, I hope it's not <laughs> mess. I'm over here like... <laughs> Rubbing my nose raw, probably. Oh, man. I probably sound like this on the air with my nose all clogged up. <laughs> on Twitter, Ooh. at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Where Mark chimes in here. Uh, yes, Bench was the catcher because, you know, knock wood if you don't talk baseball. Hey, you won't talk about baseball. Hey, you know that. <laughs> Hit me up with the age, yes. and probably have you by a couple mm, dozen years. Ouch. That's all right, though, Mark. You got the, you know, you got the experience over me. You know that. Pete Rose wasn't a catcher. I You're right. I did not. Shout out to Mark. Clearly. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> uh, shout so, out to Marcus as well. I guess he knew too. I don't I, I, Hey, man, I'm not a baseball guy. I have zero clue. I'm not a baseball guy either, but I do know, actually, I think right now, maybe right now, maybe like an hour ago, the Pirates introduced their new manager. They did do that. You know the biggest thing that I took from that? What was it? Um, Major League Baseball uniforms are now sponsored by Nike starting this year. Did you oh, know that? Well, then I'll go buy me a Major League Baseball jersey. Yeah, out. I like anything. That Nike, means I there's like gonna it. be some. There's gonna be some fresh pirates apparel. Is Absolutely, what I'm, is what I'm trying to get at here. So, basically. Sounds like it's time for the Rio. Sounds like it's time for a little Rio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a Clemente jersey. I'd always say I never needed another one, but maybe I will have to get one. Mm-hmm. Although I guess the onus is on the Pirates to have a player that makes me want to buy his jersey. No, see, I'm not doing that. Josh Bell, 5'5". Five, five. No, 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 see, what I do, I just custom. So I'm going to be 5'5", five, five mm-hmm. with moats on the back. Ooh. Yep. With the Nike. With yep. The, with the swoosh. That's how we rule. 
Moats on the back for the Pirates jersey. Uh, it's going to be... Five, five. Once again, it seems like it's going to be Manning on the back of a Giants jersey on Monday. Have you heard about this, Motsy? Uh-oh. What is this you speak of? Daniel Jones apparently out for Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football this upcoming week is, uh, of course, the Giants and the Eagles. Eli Manning. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, we hardly knew ye, Eli. Mm-mm. Back in the saddle, Eli. If you were Eli, would you want a chance to go back out there, potentially one more time, maybe win a game, have your final Giants moment? Or if you're Eli, are you like, oh, oh, now you got, now you want me to come now back in? Now you want to talk to me. How you me. feeling if you're Eli Manning, Mozi? Now you want to call me up. Now you want me to start for your team. Mm. Nah. Mm. Nah. You want to go Daniel Jones? Keep that same energy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what Eli's probably really thinking, but Eli's going to say the right thing. He's going to do the right thing. Yeah. Don't listen to me because I'm telling you the wrong thing. We all got the good the, the the good Arthur on one shoulder and the bad Arthur on the other shoulder. That's right. Listen to good one's Arthur. One's wearing red, one's wearing white. Absolutely. Yeah, listen to the good Arthur, not the bad Arthur. Good Arthur is going to tell you, hey, man, Eli, you smile in front of that camera say, hey, I'm a team player. I'm glad to have this opportunity. I look forward to going out there and playing in front of my, uh, my giant fans and giving them one last performance to remember. Speaking of around the league this week, Mike on Twitter wants to know, who do we root for, Buffalo or the Ratbirds? If you say the Ratbirds, I can't. Mm. Well, I would never root for them, period. I'd I rather – see, for me, I don't think that's hard because I view it as Buffalo already going to have one of those that, – that Yeah, I mean, they'd have to locked up. lose their last four games right. almost to so not for make me, the playoffs. I, I'm not even looking at that. I'm like, Bills get that win. We're fighting to get that six spot. Yeah. Period. And, you know, if the Bills went out – They'd get the one. They'd win the division over the Patriots. Hey, so I we mean, can, hey, I like that. Happen to see the Patriots play without a bye, and then I go like that. and then go on the road for the AFC yeah. championship. I'd like that too. I like that a lot. I'd like that a lot. That'd be good. That'd be real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, other big National Football League news burning up the airwaves today. Motes, hot, 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 hot. Uh, Ron Rivera out as Carolina Panthers head coach. Did you find the timing a little bit confusing? I did, man, because I understand when organizations say they want to hit the reset button, bring in their own guys. That's all. That's that's a cool. new direction. Yeah, yeah, whatever that may be. But it came off as very distasteful and disrespectful because the past two years, the Panthers have been without Cam Newton. Let's be real about it. Last year, they still won. I think it was what seven games last mm-hmm. year. That sounds right. Yeah, now this year they're sitting at five and seven, struggling, obviously, but they did have a little spin where they were having success with Kyle Allen. Two years ago, though, what were the Panthers' record? They were, what, 11, 11 and five? five? Yeah. And this is a two time coach of the year. This is a guy who's taken this team to the Super Bowl before with a 15 and one record. Four playoff appearances in nine seasons. Well, this is his ninth season. This is so his ninth season. Four yeah. playoff appearances in eight full seasons. So for Three me. Three division titles. I just don't see the benefit of disrespecting a coach and firing him with four games left in this. Yeah, season. just let him finish, right? You let him. What, what are, because first off, what are you trying to accomplish right now? Get a get a head start on the coaching carousel. No, you, you're going to be looking at coaches anyways. You've right. been looking at coaches in the past. That's true. Like let's be real about it. You knew you don't just wake up and say, "Oh, I want to fire Ron today." No, you knew you were going to fire him two weeks ago. Let's be real about it. So you've been looking. It doesn't matter who's going to be the coach. It Perry Fuel is the coach right now. You think that's slowing them down in their coaching search? Not a chance. 
So for me, I just don't like that. I'm not a fan of coaches who've you know been with the organization for so long and have had so much success. When things get a little rocky, now organization wants to turn their back on them. I'm not a fan of that personally. And it's a similar situation with how I feel about Phillip Rivers and what's going on with him in the in yes. uh, L.A. The conversation of should they start Tyrod? Tyrod's from my from from the hometown. You know, I'm a ride with him regardless. Mm-hmm. That's an old but, Buffalo but Bill I guy. But I still don't feel that he should go in there and start over these next couple of games. No, you pay the respect and and, and you do what's right for Philip because at the end of the day, Philip was with you when nobody wanted you. Remember, Eli Manning said, "I would rather not play than go to you guys." First guy in NFL history on draft day, drafting one overall pick with the mad face in the picture. But Philip came over there, changed it for you guys, made y'all guys a contender year in and year out. Now he's having a, a, a rough season at the end of it. It doesn't hurt you to let that man finish out the last four games. In fact, it might help you get your better draft position. Absolutely. <laughs> and, then, and then after that, you don't have to re-sign him. Right. Let him go off into the sunset. You got Tyrod under contract another year. If you wanted to go that route and, and, and use him as the, 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 stop gap. the stop gap until you draft your replacement. But, yeah, I thought the same thing should have been done in Carolina. You you let them finish out these four games because, really, what's the message that you're sending to your team? We're punting on the rest of this season. As an athlete, yeah. you never want to hear that. You With, four, with still a quarter of the season left, right, we're, so we're packing Right, so I'm wasting my time when I show up to work every day. I know you're going to say, well, you're playing because you got the contract. You're playing because you want to make money. You want to get the numbers. Man, I thought it was a team sport, right? You see how the narrative could flip easily like that. That's the crazy part. But for me, man, I just don't think it says a good sign or a good signal that you're willing to fire a coach who's had the success that Ron has had during the middle of a season which in which he lost his franchise quarterback. Yes. It's unacceptable. I, I, I'm with you, too. I think you, you started with this. I get it when teams want to try something new. Particularly, I think you, you look at the Carolina situation specifically, and they got a new owner two years ago. Right, so so their owner didn't hire Ron Rivera. So two years now, if he feels like okay, I want to put my stamp on this organization. We need to move in a different direction. That's his right as an owner. Particularly, I think when he didn't hire the head coach, you can understand that. But I'm with you too. Why now? And I, if there was some name lingering out there, right? That was the if a guy like Urban Meyer, right, had made it clear, I want to come to the NFL next season and you mm-hmm. thought you could get a head start on courting Urban But there's no guy like that out there right now. No. And like you said, honestly, really they've probably been doing that already and could have continued to do that for the last month of the season. Absolutely. Because let's be real about it. What who are you courting right now? <laughs> In the middle of the right. season. Not the last somebody's four, defensive coordinator. Like who? Please tell me. You saw how that worked out for the Lions where they had to wait for Patricia. You saw how that worked out with the Colts where they thought they had McDaniels. McDaniels yeah. and you see how that flip-flopped on Ooh. you. So you want to play that game. Okay. It's a dangerous game to I'm play. I'm just afraid that now the Panthers are going to deal with what the Bears dealt with when they got rid of Levy Smith. How they went. How many years from winning division, division, 10-plus games to becoming the laughing stock for a little while, then having one year where they got they pretty much bounced back and now they're back down to looking rough again. I just, I just don't see the point in making those type of changes. And I don't think Riverboat Run was in the same category as like a Marvin Lewis where you could just tell like right, the no. Bengals weren't trying to spend any money on a new head coach. You knew that Marvin was going to be above average. He was going to get you the nine wins, the ten wins. Have you in the hunt. Right, but never really a threat. That wasn't Ron. You knew with Ron when he had a full deck. 
Cam Newton healthy, that Panthers team is totally different. Cam Newton not healthy, everybody wanted to change the narrative of, oh, man, let's rock with Kyle Allen, trade Cam Newton. Now they're singing a different tune. Hey, Cam, can you get back healthy, baby, please? We miss you, Cam. It's tough out here, man. Tanner says um, that Ron Rivera did an interview where he said that they told him why this was happening now is because they wanted to see some of the other coaches on the staff to see if they could be the future coach. It makes no sense. I, I, I thank you for letting us know, Tan. I believe Ron, like I believe Ron Rivera is saying yeah, but it that. It still makes I, no sense. I, you know the, you see these coaches see every every day. Every day. Every, <laughs> You're in the same building what? as them. That that makes zero sense. <laughs> Let me see if if Perry Fuller. Yeah, yeah, he. I know how he is as a coach. Let me see though. Let me see who who's the O line coach. I mean, he might be the guy. He, he might, he might, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, do do you want to take bets that nobody on that coaching staff is going to be promoted as the head coach next year? Do we, we want to do that now? Oh, what, what odds can I get on that on the Fox, on the Fox Bet app? Make the call, download the app today. Gambling problem? Call one hundred Gambling. Got to hey. be twenty one or over. And if you're an athlete, don't bet on your team in a parlay yeah. at halftime. <laughs> and if you're going to <laughs> a professional football player, just, as just your throwing it out there. Professional football player, residence, Arizona. Strong suggests you don't bet on your team, <sighs> especially at halftime in a parlay. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Devotty52. Devotty. The discussion will continue when we come back for hour two. We're going to do a little inside the play? A little inside the play action? Got to have a little inside the play. Got to have a little inside the play. We'll continue to take your reaction as well on this. Oh, now a snowy Wednesday, Arthur Motes. Oh, jeez. I just looked outside the windows. It's coming down out there. It's crazy. Not good. Not good. I bet you it's not doing this in Arizona right now. Nah, buddy. You'll be in Arizona this weekend. Looking forward to it. Terrible tailgate. Where can they find you? If hey, man, Steeler we'll be Nation in Oversized be Lot F. Oversized Lot F. And uh, anybody that's out there, not only will I be out there, I'll have my new book, Moat's Theory of Life. Yeah, I just got one today. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, man. So there, I have that was, out there with a, me. There's a little personal transcription in the beginning. I don't want to read it now, though, because I'm going to get teary. <laughs> but yeah, man, so I'll have the book out there, signing copies and stuff like that, <clears throat> available for purchase. And then also, former teammate of mine, Marcus Wheaton, will be in the building as well, man. So you're going to get the chance to see me and him. Obviously, I'll be doing my uh, one of my shows and stuff like that. So, man, definitely pull up out there. Oversized Lot F. You can find more information on the social media, obviously. The Body 52. The Body 52 out That's there with IG Stella and Gang. Twitter. Still a gang. You know, I see here on the, um, I think it's like the dedication page, right? Yes. Is that what they call mm-hmm. this on books? You, you talk about your wife and your children. And y- yeah. Y'all are my heart and what I'm truly most proud of in life. I mean, where's my shout out on the dedication? Well. Oh, just play. <laughs> I was like, uh, 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 if it's any consolation. <laughs> I'm on the next page. Well, I was going to say, if it's any consolation, true story. You're the first person that I've given a book to. Yeah. Yes. Let's go. Like, like people have purchased like the pre-orders, right? But I have a list, and you are the first person. Let's go. So there you go, right Let's there, go. man. Let's go. Hey, if you ain't first, you're last. Hey, no question, man. If I ever write a book one day, you're getting the first. <laughs> you're getting the first copy. Of that. Major respect. <laughs> On Twitter, at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. The conversation continues. The fun continues inside the play. When we come back, you're inside the Electric Factory, listening to Euler in Boats. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.
Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? I'm cold. Well, that's good. <laughs> Euler Remotes with you here inside the Electric Factory from a snowy Pennsylvania Arthur Motes. It, it really is cold. Listen, I know we got a lot of listeners from all over the globe. I'm just saying. All over Pennsylvania, all over the East Coast, the West Coast, yeah. outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. And you just told them all that Arthur Motes being cold is good. It is good because it lets you know that it's snowing out here in Pittsburgh, which I don't know. How do you feel about like, like I feel like my younger self, right? Like my 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old self would hate the way I feel about snow in the cold right now. I used to love it. Mm. Love L is for the way you look. At hey. me, love it. La, 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 love. First, like real snow, like we're getting today, used to be a national holiday for your boy. But mm. now, as I get older, right? Okay. And I gotta, I gotta walk the dog every morning. Uh huh. And I gotta get up early and go to work, and yeah. I gotta commute. Why are you I complaining think, so I much? I think that's really the big thing, Boatsy. I think I just thought it out here in real time. What's up? It's just the commuting in the winter weather that I don't like. That's mm, it. Okay, fair enough. I'm cool with bundling up, you know, and I dress up, and I like. I don't mind the cold. You know, playing pond hockey is like my favorite thing in the world to do. It's true. It's really just the commute. Okay. You know, my normal 25, 30 minute drive down here mm. it can turn into 45 minutes sometimes. It could turn into an hour when there's snow on the ground. True. I think that's my beef with the winter weather as I get older. It's just the commute. That's it. Okay. If I could fly around everywhere in a helicopter like some hoity-toity big wig, I'd be fine. <sighs> Man, for me, after spending four years in Buffalo, it never looks bad out here. <laughs> Amen to that. Tells you, my first experience in Buffalo, 32 inches of snow over a span of an hour. I said, what is going on? The world, as I know it, has ended. 32 inches in an hour. Yes. That's insane. And this is how bad it was. My mother was supposed to be flying in that day. I'm driving a Dodge Charger. I thought I was fancy. I'm like, yeah, Mom, I'm going to call a taxi for you <laughs> because, uh, yeah, there's no way that I can make it to you. I could barely get home from work. <laughs> I remember barely getting to my uh, apartment that I was staying in and having to literally walk to a car dealership to go get something with four-wheel drive. It was bad. I thought I was going to die. You just rock up at the car dealership like, whatever you got. Yeah, that was the conversation. It They're doesn't like, have to be fancy. I'm like, I don't want to spend no money. I want the cheapest four-wheel drive vehicle that you have. I'm from Virginia. We get six inches of snow. Everything shuts down. <laughs> so when I bought my car that was rear-wheel drive, they were like, oh, you're good, man. You know, if it's a little six inches, you'll be all right. I'm like, all right, perfect. Not 32 inches. Whew. Yeah. That's a different animal right there. So shout out to the Buick Rendezvous that got me through my Buffalo days. <laughs> 32 inches in an hour. It was insane, bro. Oh, I had never seen it. And it was funny because Chan Gailey, he had the staff call me, CJ Spiller, Terrell Troop, and uh, Alex Carrington. Because all of us from like the southern states. We mm -hmm. had never seen snow like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, look, guys, I know this seems crazy to y'all, but... Make sure you're all at work on time tomorrow because you will get fined. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, it's 32 inches. Ain't no work tomorrow. Like, everything has to stop. The world is over. I need to, like, just just bunker down. I need to get the canned goods. It's over. And they're like, nah. Coach, I'm stocking up on ramen here. What are we talking about? <laughs> and they're like, no. You make sure you're here on time tomorrow. I hate to find you. Like, wow. Yes, bro. Crazy. Hey, they don't ask how. They ask how many. You're right about that, man. <laughs> Get your butt to work on time.
was like, yo, this is insane. Yeah. That's like, I always, I joke, and maybe this is why I equate this for you. Like, you'll never complain about the weather in Pittsburgh because you lived through the weather in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. I always tell people when they complain about rush hour traffic in Pittsburgh, like, I lived through rush hour traffic in Philadelphia. And that was just a whole whole nother animal. So I think I can equate what you're talking about here. But it is a snowy day today in Pittsburgh. Our buddy Gordon from the UK, we see snow about once every five years here on the South Coast. Once every five years? So Gordon says he's dead jealous of us. Yeah, I do. I I love the snow and I I love a lot of what comes with winter and I I do think in its own way it can be beautiful even Mm -hmm. though it can also be gray and and ugly a lot of times. It can be beautiful when you look out here and you see everything in our studios, all the trees covered with snow and everything. But I think it is one of those you know, you live in it all the time, and you're like, oh, man. Like, I can't, yeah. you know, I, I, I just want to go somewhere, you know, in fe- every February. I'm like, just get me out of here for a week. You know, just get me somewhere warm for a week. Whereas people who live in Florida and Arizona and, like, our buddy Gordon. They want to see that. I, they're yeah. like, oh, man, I'd, I'd love to see snow. And it, it is funny how that works. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 the body On a Wednesday, you know what that means. It's where we wrap up the previous Steelers game. We start to look ahead to the upcoming opponent. Well, let's put a last wrap here, a final bow, shall Mm -hmm. we, on the Cleveland Browns game. Can we give the people what they want? Well, what they wanted was for the Steelers to start the Browns offseason. And that was accomplished on Sunday at Heinz Field. Very true. So you know we got to relive it one more time. we got to relive it one more time before we fully bury those brownies six feet under. It's time to go Inside the Play with Arthur Motes. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, you know it's time to go inside the play. And with that being said, let's not stand upon ceremony here. Let's go right into the defense. And in particular, big money, Joe Jumpman Hayden. Yes, indeed, baby. We got to talk about that game ceiling INT that he had versus, mm. or versus <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Now, the thing that stood out to me the most about this play was when we look back, what I guess it would be two weeks ago now, versus the Bengals, we talked about how Joe was in position to have multiple turnovers, but he dropped both of them. Hit him right in the hands, was very frustrated with himself. He understood the magnitude of those plays. He bounces back this week, though, and what does he do? He makes not only the, the game ceiling INT, but it was one of those diving, you really have to look like you know what you're doing type right, interceptions. Right. But to go even further, man, just the thing that was so beautiful to me, not only from a mental standpoint in terms of his perseverance, in terms of himself not getting down in the dumps for dropping multiple interceptions the week before, the fact that he's in a cover three, and he's the deep one-third of that cover three, meaning he had a deep third, Mika has the middle third, and then Steven Nelson has the other third. Okay. If you're separating the field okay. in three and, departments. And, yeah. Yeah. So with that, he has the deep one third. He's dropping back and doing what he does. But when, as he sees the route and develops in front of him, he sees that his receiver stops shallow. So now he knows he doesn't have to keep gaining that depth. Mm-hmm. And from there, that puts him in a position to capitalize on that overthrow. And that just shows, once again, we talked about how, I think it was three weeks ago, versus the Rams where Joe and Minka play off of each other, where Joe is guarding the post route, he goes to Minka, and he knows, well, hey, if Minka's taking that, I can help on this wheel route. Well, right here, 
He sees that, hey, if my number one receiver is sitting down, I know I don't have to keep getting depth. I can be more aggressive on these type of plays. Yes. And just seeing all of that play out multiple ways on back-to-back or, or multiple weeks now, I think it's such a beautiful thing because that's something that the secondary has struggled with in years prior to this. They had struggled with the communication. They had struggled with how they wanted to read and react to certain combinations from routes and stuff like that. But you're seeing at a high level what this defense can do and how they continue to create turnovers. So that's the first play. Now, you know I'm a defensive guy. And I would love to just come up here and only talk defense only. But I would be remiss if I did that because somebody who has received criticism, somebody who came up with some promise, Looked good during training camps, past two seasons during the mm. preseason, but kind of disappeared during the season. I wonder where you could be going with this. A guy that some people called Mr. August, but now has turned into Mr. November and December. Yes, James Washington. I have to talk about the touchdown grab that he had in the second quarter. I mean, while he's being defensive pass interference yeah. with, I think that's how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the, midst of, in, the, in the midst of all of that, though, I mean, Understanding the the time left in that second quarter, they're down 10-3. It's a minute left. They're in man coverage. Not only does he beat the man, but he has the safety coming over top. And beautiful ball placement by Duck. But James, in the midst of being pulled down by the defender, he still is able to keep that focus, which is because young guys struggle with focus in games because it's so much. It's so many factors, so many variables. But to see him mentally be locked in, tracking the ball with his eyes, and then make a beautiful hands catch on top of that while everything else is going crazy around him, while he's being pulled down, to make that type of play, to tie the game up, that was the swing. Yeah, 100%. That that play right there was probably the most impactful play in that game. Because that changed them going in the locker room 10-3 to going in 10-10, getting the ball back and coming right back out and putting more points on the board. It was one of those plays that when you watch it, you know, like, yo, that was that was special. And the thing that I really like is this. It's an expectation there. And not just amongst the players, but amongst the coaching staff. You heard Coach Tomlin, he was talking about, was that considered a breakout game for James Washington? He's like... Nah. I like to think that's still to come. That's still to come. So he and, and this is with this kid having a hundred plus yards, another touchdown, and for multiple weeks now continuing to be extremely productive. So with that being said, man, I feel like you have to talk about James Watson to give him his due diligence, his due credit, man. Hundred percent. Uh you said it. He play the game against Cleveland. I think you could even argue there's been a lot on defense. If if you took the defensive touchdowns out of it, mm-hmm. biggest touchdown of the year for the Steelers. Yes, like, right? I, I do agree. You take that Devin Bush touchdown against the Chargers out. You take the Minka touchdown against the Colts right. out. Take the Minka touchdown against the Rams out. <laughs> the biggest offensive touchdown biggest of the season without a doubt. touchdown of the season without a yeah. doubt. And I, I, it's encouraging. And I'm sure Coach Tomlin's words of no, I like to think that that his real breakout is is still to come. I'm sure some of that just serves to let James know their belief in him that they think Absolutely. he can do even more. Yeah, you you have to have that belief because when you see a young man like James in the first season that he had where he had a very productive preseason struggled during the regular season, when you see the transformation he made during OTAs, we talked about it. 
how he like looked a completely slimmer. Different dude. He ran fast. He was more Spent the confident. whole offseason working on the farm with his dad. Absolutely. Then you see his preseason. But then we talked about how when you lose your franchise quarterback six quarters into the season, it affects everyone. Not just the quarterback position. I'm talking everyone. It affects the water boys. Absolutely. The cooks in the cafeteria. Definitely the cooks because, you know, they got to make his food a certain way. This is the seven we're talking about, all right? But in that regard, you think about how he's had multiple quarterbacks this year throwing him the ball or some guys that can't even get him the ball. But now he's building a nice rapport with Duck Hodges, and you're seeing his productivity. You're seeing why they took him when they did, and – I think the buzz around there is that this guy could truly grow into a number one type receiver with the combat catches he makes, with the run-after ability he makes. He has the speed to take the top. Remember, because that's what Juju doesn't have. Juju is a guy who makes the catch on a short to intermediate route, can make a guy miss in terms of stiff arm breaking tackle and turn that into a long game. But he's not going to just run by you. James can run by you. And that's what makes him such an intriguing player. And that's why people were frustrated when he wasn't doing that. But throughout the month of November, and now that it's been December, man, you could see the type of success and productivity that he's been having. 100%. It's, it's, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, the timing wise of it has happened perfectly. Uh, right when the Steelers most needed somebody to emerge on offense, James Washington has been there. Hopefully, that only continues on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 the body where our photoshop master David sent us a picture of your book number one bestseller change my mind hey David's <laughs> been coming with the heat man he Major has been coming him, he has been coming with the heat if you want to get in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 you know we'll wrap up the show with your questions like we always do but when we come back Motsi oh we'll continue to give the people what they want that's the given what they want you know that babe it's time for our favorite Wednesday tradition. We'll do a little best of the West when we return. Gloves on, gloves off, civil, screaming, yelling. Definitely got to scream. Well, you'll just have to come back with us to see. Inside the Electric Factor, you're listening to Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Having some fun on a Wednesday inside the Electric Factory. It's time to embrace debate, as we always do about this time on a Wednesday, Motsi. For better or worse. For better or worse. <laughs> For richer or poor. This is where the show goes left. <laughs> it was all good just a week ago. It was all good. <laughs> Until the best of the West show is <laughs> The only time throughout the week that you make me go crazy here. When you come with these rankings. Uh, I know. Motsi's <laughs> a little disappointed that I don't have the Bills number one on my list. Oh, I man. Know, know. When you come through here with this blatant disrespect. The, dis oh. the disrespect. You know, what, you know when you do what you do. You know what you do. You know how that goes. Everything is calculated. Oh, man. There's not a random molecule. Nope. Nope. <laughs> 
<laughs> best of the West, real simple concept. Our 10 best teams in the National Football League. We start at the top of the mountain. And number one, no change here from last week. Yeah, I hate to say it, but it's the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right? I, figured, I figured you would go with that. No shocker. No shocker there. All right, Baltimore Ravens, number one. Number two, I'm not going to lie. This was a struggle for me because, okay, the 49ers, they lost on the last second. Justin Tucker bomb, you know, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to had the 49ers too last week. I still really believe in the 49ers, but I'd also say at the same time, their two losses have come to the two best teams they've played this season. I got Seattle at number two. Yeah, and I keep coming back to, man, if you look at Seattle on paper, statistically, I mean, they're around teams in a lot of statistics like the Oakland Raiders, you know, teams like the Houston Texans, Mm -hmm. teams like the Carolina Panthers, but sometimes, Motsi, teams just have an it factor that you can't explain. I think you saw it with the Washington Nationals winning the World They went up against a lot of teams that were better on paper, had better rosters, but for whatever reason, they just knew how to win. Mm. The Seahawks are 9-1 and one this year in one-score games. For whatever reason, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, that staff, that defense, the combination of Chris Carson and Rashawn Penny, they just know how and to win And just facing against games. a Vikings team that they've been 5-0 against as well. Your man. boys, the Minnesota Vikings, even with Russell Wilson, that inception interception. Did you see that? I did. What? That was the weirdest thing I've ever seen on a football field. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> that was bizarre. Even with all of that considered, I, I could have put the Saints there ahead of Seattle, but I, I'm not going to put the Niners there because they lost to Seattle head-to-head, and I know they still have to play again. I don't know. It seems like every time I'm ready to move Seattle down my list and, and think that they're just Russell Wilson and, and a bunch of nameless gray faces, they continue to find ways to win, and for that I have them at number two. Mm-hmm. Number three, I have those San Francisco 49ers. Um, I mean, <laughs> both of their losses, they're 10-2. and two. Both of their losses have come on last play field goals this year. That that that's how close they are to, to still being undefeated. Uh, but that is, you know, that's the National Football League. Um, uh, still, with that front, that offense has playmakers. Yes, I'm still not complete. I, I don't know my trust level in Jimmy G, uh, but I'm going to go with the Niners at number three. Mm-hmm. Four, I've got the Saints. Okay, uh, you know, I'm president of the Sean Payton fan club over you here. Love Sean Payton. <laughs> Uh, that defense, uh, Cam Jordan's playing really well. They've got weapons all over on offense. Uh, Drew Brees is clearly getting a little longer in the tooth, but still certainly capable. Uh, man, for all the negative that I say about Sean Payton, it's clear that he knows what he's doing when it comes to being a head coach in the National Football League. I've got the Saints at number four. So a little run of NFC teams there behind the Ravens. Ravens, Seattle, Niners, Saints. Number five, Motsi. Like, I I want to just throw these guys at the – I want to have these guys in, like, eight or nine or oh, ten. Oh, wow. Who, who could this be? The New England Patriots. Oh, your boy. I should have known. I, I mean, we talk about this, the teams that they've lost to, best teams you've played, weighing all that out. I would argue that of the three best teams the Patriots have played all year, they've only beaten one of them. That was the Buffalo Bills, and that was with Josh Allen missing a lot of that time. And, and the Bills, what, four, four turnovers? Like four it? turnovers. But, like you always tell me, you would tell me that all, all OTAs, when I was predicting the Patriots' demise hey. this season, you would tell me, hey, buddy, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. As long as, Brady, as, long, <laughs> as long as Brady and Bella 
checker there. Don't do it. And I'm, I can't have him any lower than five as long as Brady and Belichick are there. That's where I've got New England. Number six, I've got my Green Bay Packers. Oh, Brady. I know. Listen, right. Aaron Rodgers has still looked really inconsistent. All right. okay. Aaron Rod- that, that that's so weird. All right. So weird. Aaron Jones has gone a little cold in recent weeks. Uh-huh. But they've had some emergent. Devontae Adams is back. Alan Lazard looks really good. Valdez Scanling looks really good. <sighs> Big win over the Giants. I mean, yeah, it's the Giants. Giants. It's but good. I, I still when I when I I, I think there's a gap, and I, I'm gonna set that gap. At the Packers, if that makes sense. Oh, it's a gap. I I, I think you know I could, in a alternate universe, mm-hmm. have the Packers a little, a few spots lower down on the list. Interesting. But am I, I going to put the Texans ahead of them? Am I going to put the Chiefs ahead of them? I, I don't think so. At least not yet. So you don't I like the, the Texans like that. I got the Packers. No, I don't. That's why I've got the Packers at number six. Wow. The Texans went and beat who? Who did they just beat? They just beat the Patriots at home. Was it close? Uh, on the scoreline, yes, but in actuality, no. Right. What are you talking about here? I mean, we're also talking about the same Houston Texans team that lost to um, somebody really bad. I'm drawing a blank now. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a total brain fart on the air. Jeez. Total brain fart. Didn't they lose to the Jags? No, they beat the Jags. No, it was the was the Colts? I don't know if I'd call the Did you call the Colts a bad team? Uh, they're I don't a, think they're a bad team. Okay, team. Okay, team. They did beat the Colts. They beat the Patriots. They lost. They got smoked by the Ravens. But then again, who hasn't? Right. <laughs> they, so they've split with the Colts this year. They lost to him once, beat him once. I, I think I've said the Texans and the Chiefs to me have still a lot of vertical movement possibility. Mm-hmm. I just want to see it consistently. True. That's I, the biggest thing. Consistency. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me with the. Te- you get smoked by the Ravens, and, and then you play really well against the Patriots. I, I want to know where that middle ground is. And for now, I've got the Texans at seven. At eight, I've got the Chiefs. Hold on. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that Chiefs defense that we've all poo-pooed so much suddenly has forced five turnovers in the last two games. Oh, man. Here you go. And Patrick Mahomes, I think, still got his best football this season to play in front of him. They've got weapons all over that offense. Yes, the defense is a question mark, but I think every AFC team has their question marks. Oh, I've got man. the Chiefs at eight. At number nine, don't worry, Arthur Motes, I've got your Buffalo Bills. Yes, I put them ahead. Of your Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> wow. Your two teams, they round out my top ten. I've got the Bills at nine. Wow. I've got the Vikings at ten. Wow. And I have the Pittsburgh Steelers as my first team out at number 11. Uh, then I have the Titans at 12. I guess I put the Cowboys at 13. The, 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 Cowboys suck. The Cowboys are the best 6-6 six and six team I've ever seen on paper. Yeah, and they're but their the, coaching staff stinks. They, they stay, I mean, they stink. I'm completely out on the Cowboys. They're not going to win a playoff game. They might go 7-9 and and win the division because the Eagles stink too. But, yeah, so yeah. I go Ravens 1, Seattle, Niners, Saints, Patriots. That's my top five. Packers 6, Texans, Chiefs, Bills 9, Vikings 10. The Steelers are my first team out. <clears throat> All righty. Now we can go ahead and let the real list number one the buffalo bills we can agree upon the ravens that's fair i think almost everyone's agreeing on that at this point right now our number twos are drastically you got the buffalo bills i do not (laughs) you have the seahawks i have the new orleans saints actually okay i think that they still are a team that can continue to get better i would agree with that and that's scary because you see how good they already are we talk about how tough they are to beat at home. 
But the pass rush, I mean, you see what Cameron Jordan was able to do. He's good. That's a difference. When he's not disrespecting Ben Roethlisberger, Correct. He's, he's really good. No question, man. Obviously, you know Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. I mean, even uh, oh my goodness, I'm drawing, uh, Jerry Cook. You see him making plays out there for those guys. Like Their offense is very dynamic. Yeah. And that's one of the things that when I see them, I'm just like, they look good. And they actually have a kicker that can hit field goals. <laughs> hey, you, that you, helps. You can't, you can't take that for granted nowadays. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, so that's why I have them at number okay. two. Yeah, at number Saints three. Two? Yeah, number three, we both agreed upon the Niners. I do – I love their defense. I do too. I love their running game. I, I like too. their receivers. I don't like their quarterback. Yeah. I just I, don't believe him. I, I don't either. I and, think he's fool's goal. And I think their offensive line is solid in uh, the run game. Yes. They're not great in pass protection. Correct. I don't trust them. It's fool's goal. So they're at three because they're still finding ways to, oh, they played the Ravens tough. Granted, it was a monsoon, and I think that played into it. But either way, it's like, oh, okay, I technically can't pull them down further than that hey, because of their list, record. you can. I'm not doing it because I respect the game. Okay, so you go Ravens, Saints, Niners so yes. far. My fourth team, Buffalo, you have the Saints? The Buffalo Bills. No, I have the Houston Texans, actually. Ooh. The fact, And I'm a believer in this. If you go and you beat New England handedly, I have to give you a certain level of respect, a certain level of tipping of my cap because I know how tough that is. Regardless of how talented they look or how untalented they look, sure. they always are very well coached. They're always well prepared and motivated for games. So the fact that they were able to beat them handedly like that, for me, that says a lot. That speaks volumes to that team. And I know they've been inconsistent, but either way, the fact that they're able to do that, you got to think, they, this is, what, two weeks removed from them getting whooped by the Ravens. So they were able to bounce back, win a tough one versus the Colts, a divisional game, then turn around and beat the Patriots. I think in that regard, I have to give them their due diligence. That's why I have them at four. Okay. At five, we both are in agreement. We have the Patriots. For me, I feel like regardless of how bad they look, they're still the Patriots. And until you, they have been like consistently knocked off. Be careful, young man. Because every year they go through a phase. Remember, it was the same time last year. This they time. lost to the Steelers. They lost. No, no, no. Remember, lost to Miami first. That's right. That's and right. then it was. On the play where Rob or, Gronkowski yes. was breaking down yes. running the sideline. And the conversation was, oh, New England never loses two games back to back. This would never happen. And then the Steelers wouldn't beat them handily. And remember, the conversation was, has the Patriots run ended? Is it Can over Can they for win them? on the road? It's done. They don't have it anymore. Brady's too old. And then what did they do? They won the AFC Championship game on the road. And then what did they do after that? Try and black it out from memory, but I'm pretty sure they won their <laughs> sixth Super Bowl. Yeah. So with that being said, until I see otherwise, <laughs> they will never be lower than fifth. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. Hey, if they go out and lose this, who they got this week? They got this. Uh, they have Miami again this weekend. I'm trying to think. No, no, have. Jets got Miami this week. That's right. Yeah. Patriots play somebody decent this weekend. No, it I feel is. Like. Yeah. But it's not. Bu- is it Buffalo? No. Uh-uh. Buffalo has Baltimore this week. You're in right. Baltimore. No, in Buffalo, excuse me. Stand by. Five seconds here. I got it. It's right in front of me. Where is it? Here's the schedule. Where is it? Where's the Patriots? I don't, I don't see the Patriots on the schedule for this week. Am I blanking here? I don't know. You might Can be, I not re- uh, Chiefs. Yeah, so that could be a tough game one. game at home against the yes, Chiefs. that could be a tough one because we know the Chiefs can score. We do know that. But we also know the Chiefs can get scored on. So it'll be interesting. But 
when in doubt, man, Patriots never go lower than five until proven otherwise. I don't I'm care how much you don't like the team or don't like the, the players that the, you got to respect them. At six, we differ again. You have the Green Bay Packers. I do. I will not stand for this disrespect you got the Bills. one second longer. This is where the Bills are. You are absolutely 100% uh, right. This is where the 9-3 and three Buffalo Bills uh, reside. They would be higher, but I haven't seen them beat the Patriots yet, so they can't move into that top five spot. They get their chance, though. Over these next three weeks, they're going to get a chance to move up this list because they got uh, the Ravens, they got the Steelers, and then they have the Patriots. Talk about a schedule. You you want to get into my top five, We're Buffalo? We're going to find out how good they We're are gonna real We're going to find soon. out. Real soon. <laughs> We're going to find out. Because I'm not even talking about you getting the playoffs. We know that's going to happen. But in terms of are you a legit contender or are you a pretender, we're going to see over these next three weeks. So with that being said, the Bills sit at six. Now it's Hold seven. On, real quick, real quick. Uh-huh. Quick, quick digression for you. Mm-hmm. Not to rehash old wounds. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Dak Prescott or Josh Allen? Mm. Let's not even go for the few. You got to win a game this Sunday. Dak Prescott or Josh Allen? Oh, man. Can I have Dak on the Bills, though? Oh, I see what you're saying. So, yeah. like, like, with the Bills. Yes. If I can have Dak with the Bills, I like Dak. I think Dak can get a lot more out of those weapons. The thing that Josh does well is he runs. You see he extended a ton of those plays. He had a rushing touchdown and, on Yes, and that makes up kind of for his inefficiencies in terms of his inaccuracy. Whereas with Dak, we talked about going into that game, he was leading the league in passing yards. Yeah. I mean, in passing yards per game. He still threw for over 300 yards that game. But you could just see it's not the same. If he can't go to Cooper – and obviously that coaching staff. when they get down to the red zone. Yes. And then in that, in the, uh, with the coach staff, they take Zeke away from him. So weird. I, I, it's I don't. so weird. Yeah. Makes, the way they use Zeke makes no sense. Correct. No sense to me. Like, if Zeke was in Buffalo, he would be getting 30 touches a game. Easily. Easily. And, like, like You see how they feature Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. If that's Zeke, Zeke meant. He's getting 24 carries that's why and LeSean six McCoy, targets out That's of why LaShawn McCoy was having so much success up there. They feed yes. their running backs. And they know how to use him out of the backfield as yes. well. That's the biggest thing. The Cowboys have never known how to use Zeke other than just hanging the ball. They don't know how to use him in the past yeah. game. Yeah, it's through the screen. It has it's, to, it's, it's, amazing. it's either run or screen it's amazing. when he gets the ball. That's look it. at what some of these NFL – look what, what the Steelers were able to do with Lev Bell. Yes. With Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, some of these uh, – Christian McCaffrey, yes. what these backs are able to do Because they are the mismatched nightmares. You get them in space. Right. It's, it's, it's already tough to hit these guys in crowds. You put them in space, come on, man. It makes perfect sense, but they don't understand Except it. Except for to the Dallas Cowboys. Right. But that's sense. why I'm like, if I could get Dak on the Bills' offense with that roster, I'm like, I'm like I like that. All right, so you got Bills 6. Yes. 7? At 7, I have the Seahawks. You had them at 2. That's why I laughed at you because, for me, man, they're winning games without a doubt. They don't look pretty at all, but I think they go only as Russell goes. And with that being the case, I still feel that at times – we talk about Russell, how he operates in those last couple of minutes. Sometimes I feel like it's the plays that he's making. Other times I feel like it's the defense's inefficiencies. Mm. And for me, I don't think that if it was a third and 16 like we saw here in Pittsburgh in week two, that's happening again. I personally don't. And we could go on about the game where they played the uh, the 49ers and some of the things that was happening during that game, the interception. But then Jimmy Garoppolo, Mr. Fool, go can't get one first down to ice the game. I don't see that happening. 
So for me, that's why I have those guys at seven. I do think that they're still well coached with Pete Carroll, but oh, for sure. from a talent standpoint, they don't. I don't think they have the weapons to really be in that race like that. All right, now at number eight, you had the Chiefs. I go with the Packers. I got the Packers here. Mike Pettin, that defense. That Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is, is, you know. It's been hard to say what he's been. This I, I don't know been what really he is. He's been really good at times. He's been yes. not so good at so, times. Sometimes he helps me at fantasy. Sometimes he kills me at fantasy. So I don't really know. So you've got them at I have eight. them at eight, though. Okay. Yes, you had them at six. I have them at eight. Yep. At nine, I have the Vikings. So we're same there. Yep. No, no, no. At nine, you had the or, Bills. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you had the Bills yep. at nine. I had the Vikings at nine. And uh, the thing with them, man, they they played against the Seahawks team that has their number. Yeah. They, I mean, it's just that simple. They have their number. They do. Undefeated against those guys over the past five games, both regular season and playoffs. They just have their – it's kind of like when the Steelers play the Texans or the Steelers play the Colts. Yeah. No matter what's going on, they just have their number. <laughs> like, that's what it looks like. It's like, oh, is Kirk Cousins going to do it? Nope. nope. Because they have their number. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just how it is, man. And number 10, rounding out the list. Yeah, so number 10, I have the Chiefs. Okay. I do I was believe – say, come on now. Yeah, man, the way their offense is playing and their defense has definitely gotten better. I do want to see them now in a – more hostile environment, and they'll get that versus Fox the Patriots. Burrow. So that'll be a true test. And then my next three out, I had the Titans because I really believe Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, what they've been able to do, has been really good. You Obviously, have the Titans above def- the Steelers. I do have them above the Steelers right okay. now, yes. And and I like their defense too, man, with uh with Harold Landry and obviously Kevin Byard. Steelers are my second team out. Okay, so and then, then I got the Rams. Yeah. I feel like the Rams, man, That's they true. they bounce back I think in I said a big Cowboys. way. I'd put the Rams above yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah. I, I personally feel yeah. It's going to be tough for the Rams to make the playoffs. Oh, without a doubt it will. They, but if they did, they're the type of team nobody wants to see correct, in the first round. Because they have the potential. They have the talent. It's just like. And they've got the experience, too. Yes. I mean, they, they're a unit that know, a team that knows what it takes to win playoffs. Absolutely. Games. But, man, anytime I get one of my former teammates having a career day in Robert Woods, man, 172 receiving yards, I got to make, sure, make sure he's on the list. There it is, our best of the West for, what is it, week, thir- week 14? It's yeah. week 14, yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. Hey. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 The Body. We'll wrap up with your reaction, as always, in our final segment. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler Remotes wrapping up the show, having some fun 
on a Wednesday. Always. Tomorrow on the program, Brian Backo will join us. Hey, hey, hey. Three question Thursday. Good friend of the show, actually. Great friend of the show. <sighs> and we didn't get to talk to him last week, so we'll have plenty to get to with the Batman. Mm-hmm. But you know, as always, before we get out of here, we want to get to some of your tweets. We got some tweets when we were talking about winter. Uh, Dusty chiming in from North Dakota, talking about how winter there freezes your soul. <laughs> uh, our, our buddy Thrash, who's from Winchester, Virginia, said if it even threatens snow here, there's no school. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, David, good question here. I like this one. All right. These are the type. Of, the, use this as a template. These are the type of questions I like to get right here. All right, Arthur Motes, you've got two job offers. Uh-oh. Analyst on the NFL Network or linebacker coach for an NFL team? Which would you choose? Oh, man. That's an easy one. Give me NFL Network. <laughs> First off, and here's why. Um, obviously, I love the game. I'm very passionate about it. Still study it a lot. Can relate to a ton of players and things like that at different stages of their careers. But as an analyst – the time requirements aren't as strenuous as no being a coach. When you're coaching, and, and this is the thing, you have two styles of coach. You have the coach who is just going to do the bare minimum, which wouldn't be a lot in terms of hours, but for me, I don't want to cheat that's the never game. never you. And yeah. that's not me. So for me to be the coach that I want to be, I would have to spend a lot more time away from my family. and Year-round. I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Not just the during the season. Then you've got the draft process Correct. and the combine and the draft and the yeah. OTAs and the mini camps and, the- and I told myself, man, when I retired, I said I had been away from my family long enough. Yeah. Nine years of doing it. Especially with the age that I don't your kids do it. Yeah. are now. Absolutely. Yeah. And on top of that, let's talk job security. Yes. Jeez, at least as an analyst, I can go as high as I want to go. And let's talk work conditions. Yeah. At least as an analyst, you're in a cushy studio. You're not hey, you know, hey, on a sideline. Climate control. <laughs> if I say, hey, hey, Wes, it's too cold in here, they're going to change the temperature for us. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah. When you when you're coaching. And it's um, November and December. Yeah. It's 10 degrees outside. And that's when I got to go outside for practice. Yep. And I'm not moving around. I'm standing. Right. Yeah. Or, or hey, if it's like how it is in uh, Carolina, they want to see what the – what you have on the staff, they fired the head coach, and I'm stuck waiting. Who's going to be the new guy? Because you know he's going to hire his own players. Yep. I know how, I mean, his own staff. I know how this goes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cool <laughs> on that coaching life. Christopher asks uh, to basically for us to explain why Steeler Nation needs to pump the brakes a little bit on all this Devin Hodges love. I Hey, I get it. Cult hero, number six, he, you know. Doesn't sound like us when he talks. <laughs> he comes from the FCS. He was undrafted. He had to earn a spot in training camp at rookie minicamp. Uh, I, I, he's been cut from the team and then brought back. I, I get why he has this kind of cult hero status. I get it. But I, I, I also understand what Christopher's saying and pumping the brakes a little bit on the expectations. It's great now. Continue to ride this wave, right? But I... I Christopher adds he's one bad game away from Mason going back in. I I do think that's true. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I was actually called a hater the other day because Uh I was one of the main guys having a conversation in terms of saying that, hey, I respect what he did, but a person would give him an A-plus in terms of his performance. And for me, I said I wouldn't grade it that way. I understand over the recent weeks because of what we had seen, it hadn't been up to that. It hadn't been up to par. So – when you get something that is average or up to par, you tend to overreact to it. Yes. And I was like, I'm not going to do that because when you really look at it outside of the other factors of, oh, well, hey, man, Mason's been playing so bad, the turnovers, 
what about that performance was so masterful and so magical? It wasn't that. So for me, I, I'm a firm believer, and I think that he's definitely the guy for this team in terms of getting the job done. But I'm not about to sell the 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 house and and ride with him throughout just because you know how bad this can go real quick. And then literally the same people that were – I mean, just think about this, for example. In the first half of the game, before those last yep. two minutes, they were saying, hey, we need to go back to Mason, or this guy's just as bad as Mason. That was the conversation. He hits the pass. He gets a little hot, hits the touchdown pass in the uh, the, the final two minutes of the uh, second quarter, and the conversation changes. Then he hits, a, uh, I think it was like one or two other passes in the third, and then it was like, oh, yeah, he's got him. We got his it factor. He throws the interception. What did they say again? Oh, man, he killed us. Duck killed us. <laughs> it's either he's got the it factor or he killed us. Right. There's no middle and, and, ground. And I'm still trying to have somebody describe to me the it factor. Yes. Because it drives me nuts. Well, I thought it was like the cl- you know, it. like the. No, no, he has it's a, it's the it. And then they say, he got that moxie. I'm like, you're just going to yeah, go from it to moxie now. He's like, moxie. Like, 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 can, you, can, can't can say, you can't say moxie without a British accent. Like, like what? Moxie. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little moxie. Like, stop it here, man. Like, the kid definitely has made some good passes. He does display really good touch. He does need to work on escaping the pocket, understanding when to climb the pocket versus when to try to outrun the rush. But he's young. He's going to have his ups and downs, but I'm definitely with you, man. Pump the brakes, baby. Pump them. Uh, Eddie, good point here. I don't see the Steelers falling into the trap game mentality against Arizona, especially with Duck playing like with the replacements mentality. The dude plays like it could be his last game, and you need Shane that from your quarterback. Shane Falco. That's a good. That's a good point. <laughs> I love it. I like that. I love it. That's that's real good. Awesome movie, by the way. (laughs) A great movie. Uh, Last but not least here from Mark, and this kind of put a wrap on how we started the show. Uh, How much juice will Pouncey coming back uh, bring to the team this week? Oh, man, a huge amount of juice, man. You know the intensity that he plays with. He's the type of guy that sets the tone. He's the type of guy that players feed off of his energy. He's the captain for a reason. He is the vocal leader for a reason. And I think him being back definitely helps that team out in a big way. Uh, I said that was the last one I lied. Tanner chimes in here with a last-minute Hail Mary. Any chance Ben could be back in the playoffs? I don't think so, right? Yeah, yeah. And even if he were to come back, I wouldn't want to put him back out there that quick. Yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of rehab in front of him. Absolutely. I think if you – it's way too early to be doing this. We'll do this once the season ends yeah. in 2020. But if you look ahead to 2020, there's a lot to be excited about and encouraged about. Mm-hmm. But I think that starts with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger in training camp next year, mm-hmm. and there's no reason to push that this year. Yeah. Imagine a setback. Oh, we'd be sick. Oh, we'd be so oh, sick. Oh, we'd be sick. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who chimed in. We really do appreciate it as oh, yeah. shout out, Shout out to the guy, Wesley Euler, too, man, on the ones and twos producing the show. On Always the ones and twos job. producing the show today. Hopefully my runny nose didn't make us sound too terrible. But we'll be back to do it again tomorrow. Same time, same place. Inside the Electric Factory, as always, we'll talk the ins at high noon on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.